Hey everybody, this is Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. Today is Q&A number 60. It is October 6, 2021. I want to give a few shout outs and cover a few topics real quick before we get into the Q&A and the topic of the day. Um, so for uh, first of all, congratulations to Teresa Bass for winning the personal best drawing for September. Uh, she chose the Leather uh, Barrel Racing Journal as her prize, so congratulations to you. And I have some shout-outs I'd like to do. Um, so far, we had, on the Personal Best Drawing, we had, I think, 38 uh, members have personal bests in the month of September, which is awesome. And just this past weekend, the ones that I've heard about uh, were some wonderful things. Gigi ran her colt for the first time, had a beautiful run. Bella placed in the 1D, that's in New York. Caitlin and Holly took second in the 1D in Kansas. Um, let's see here. Fran and Fate had a beautiful 4D run in Florida. Uh, Peggy and Gunner went to the MBHA State Finals in Tennessee and qualified back to the finals after winning 2D money in the seniors, 3D money in the open, and clocked in the 1D in the open in the finals, which is a huge win for her there in Tennessee. And Ashley, I'm sorry, and Danielle on Ash in Vero Beach had a beautiful lope through, really turning and finishing her runs. Gorgeous. Um, I'm still working on a few videos. As everybody knows, Facebook had some issues. I had some coaches' eye issues and iPad issues. Um, I also had a clinic on Sunday, which was awesome. Had 12 riders and I had two assistants helping me. And we really saw everybody trying so hard. Everybody worked hard all day long to really get detailed on their basics and be very specific about their rider cues and horse's body position. And I saw beautiful changes from the morning to the afternoon and everybody had nice improvements. So congratulations there. I know there's more members that are... Uh, haven't sent their videos in from the last weekend, just giving me a little break after the clinic, but feel free to send your videos in now for critiquing and I will get on them. I still have a couple more left to do and then I should be pretty caught up. Now with having computer issues with Facebook, um, if I didn't do your video yet, send it to me again because there's a chance I might not have got it. So, um, so if you feel like I'm just neglecting you, I'm not, maybe I just didn't get the message. So please reach out to me again. So the first question that came in was, I'm not feeling very good about my training or my competing. I just don't feel like I'm moving forward. My life is busy and I just don't feel like I'm making progress. Um, first of all, you got to really think about what it is that you want and you have to walk towards it. And even if it is just a little bit each day, but you really got to set your intentions and have a positive thoughts right off there, right off the bat, the question is very negative and hard on yourself. So you have to teach yourself to have that positive attitude, but also have the goal setting ability so that you can improve your skill. Say to yourself, just like you would do anything else, like you would log in, I'm going to work from eight to five, set aside 30 minutes on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever your schedule allows for that you're going to practice so you can improve your skill. But then every day you can work on your mindset that, you know what, I did a little something today. I spent some time with my horse, you know, doing this. I spent a little bit of time visualizing my run. I spent time, 
you know, setting my goals or organizing my calendar for when, which competitions I'm going to haul to or which exhibitions I'm going to haul to or clinics or lessons or whatever. Do something, a little something every day towards your goal and you will get there. But you have to remember everybody's path is different. Everybody gets there at different speeds and everyone has a different schedule. So don't compare yourself to anybody else. Just work within your life and what you can do. But it is important to write it in the calendar and stick to it. So figure it out, figure it out what you want and just keep walking towards it one step at a time and you will get there. Okay, everybody has different time frames. So just be positive and don't have regrets about the past. Just look forward each day. The next question is, what if someone says your horse is only good enough for speed show or they don't even look like they're built to be a barrel horse? My answer is ignore them. If you didn't solicit their advice, if you didn't ask them, you don't have to be rude, but just say, okay, thank you and move on. And don't give them any effort, energy, or any more thought. You know, everybody has an opinion, but that's why your circle needs to be small. Only listen to the people that surround yourself with people that care about you, that are really truly in it for you, that are positive and believe in you, whether it be your coach, your mentor, your husband, your parents, your best friend, whatever. Um, believe in yourself most importantly, because that's what really matters. Ignore everything else. The next question uh, let's see, focusing on my points and my runs, um, you know, what would be the best thing to do? I feel like I'm, I'm thinking about too much. Okay. So I've always said when you practice, that's the time to really be detailed, pay attention to perfect practice in your riding cues, your horse's body position, where you're looking and riding to, how it affects you, etc. But in competition, that's the time to trust your training and see what's working and what's not and be focused, relaxed, having a great time, enjoying it. And that's the time to really just focus on one or two things. So as you take some deep breaths, waiting for them to call your name, you're relaxed, you clear your mind. As you go down that alleyway, think of one or two important things. For me, it was always riding to my spots and maybe one other thing, like using my legs. But as long as I rode to spot one and two, my horses would pretty much take care of everything else. And I would be in the moment and I would check if I needed to check or hustle if I needed to hustle and just be in the moment. And that's what I think is really important. If you get too in your head and you think about too many things, you become mechanical and you're no longer in the moment out there and you can't have good timing or feel if you're not in the moment. So that would be my recommendation for that. Um, the next question is about uh, tack tips and um, they were mentioning they were not sure if they should use Chicago screws or leather um, straps for their bridles and such. And honestly, as long as your equipment's in good condition, that's the most important thing. And you should check and polish and condition your equipment monthly if you use it a lot. Uh, oil your leather. You can replace uh, Chicago screws by putting a little clear nail polish or super glue in there to make sure they're strong and tight. But check your equipment every time you get on. Your saddles, the D-rings, uh, cinches, replace them after a year. Saddle pads, wash them regularly so your horse's back stays healthy. Um, you know, it, it is really important that you check your tack because you're going fast. You need to know that your equipment is safe and replace anything that looks cracked or worn out. Don't take chances of going 30 miles an hour on a horse with something that's not in good condition. So 
definitely do that. Um, the next question is, um, when do I add speed and how? When I'm training a young horse, I kind of do things a little bit backwards. So I will add speed running home first, and then I'll add speed going to third, and then I'll add speed going to second. But usually I add speed going to first last. And the reason why is because in the beginning, I would like a pretty pattern and I want to build my horse's confidence. I don't want to rattle a young horse by pushing them so hard that they start feeling the pressure at first barrel and then maybe not want to turn first barrel or possibly go up the fence. Um, Hunter, can you sit down? You're making lots of noise. Sorry, my dog's running around. Uh, <laughs> always something when you have animals. So come here, boy. Sit yourself down. Come on. All right. So that's what I would do. I highly recommend doing it that way. Of course, every horse is different. Some handle more than others, but you may have a combination horse too. Some horses are more push style. Some horses are more free running. Some are more sensitive. Um, so, but that would be my recommendation when I add speed. That's how I've always done it with client horses and my own. Next question. Why does looking between the ears help and not looking down? Um, that's a very important one. Um, it's just like driving a vehicle. You look uh, up between the lines of the road you're on so that you don't hit a pothole or an animal in the road. So you don't get hit by any oncoming traffic, you know, that kind of stuff. You, you look where you're going. And it's no different when you're on a horse. When I'm in a straight line, I'm looking two or three strides ahead to keep my line straight. When I'm in my turns or circles, I look a quarter turn ahead. And by looking between my horse's ears, it keeps me centered in the saddle. A horse can feel a fly land on them. They can certainly feel if I look down their neck. Just standing up or sitting in the saddle, look down your horse's neck and see how it puts weight in your inside stirrup. It puts your shoulder and hip having more weight in it. And that can signal to a horse to start their turn too early. So that's why it's important to sit in the middle and look up instead of down. As soon as you look down, the weight goes to that direction. So oftentimes when horses anticipate turns, it's often because riders anticipate turns. They either look down the horse's neck and drop their rein hand or pick it up too high. And either one can cause a horse to either start their turn too soon, drop in on their front end, or slow down because you're picking them up. But the looking down can really affect you. So it is important you ride straighter longer and up into the hole so that you take away that anticipation. And then, of course, um, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of my horse. So, for instance, if I'm just going into the turn from spot one to two, I don't want to be turning my head and looking for the next barrel because I haven't finished a turn yet. It's important to sit through the turn, ride a quarter turn, and then when you get to spot three or maybe between spot two and spot three, that's when you start, depending on the barrel um, and the horse's style, that's when you would start to look around and turn your hip and shoulder. So that's a very good question, but it is an extremely important habit to pay attention to because it can cause a, a whole array of issues uh, such as anticipation. The next question is, um, I keep crossing my withers with my hands and not keeping even pressure. That's something you've got to fix in your slow work. Skill is extremely important and that's why we have to practice slow because what we do slow is going to magnify when we go fast. So keep it simple, the kiss theory, okay? Three hand positions is really all you need. Keeping them, number one, even, 
always even. You know, I like thumbs up, pinkies down, both hands even. When I go forward, they're going to be about halfway up the horse's neck. If you imagine a six-inch box and or a six-inch square or rectangle in front of your horn, you don't want them higher than your horn lower than your withers and if I'm going forward it's two hands even towards the, the front of the box uh, six inches in front of the horn kind of midway up the horse's neck if I'm sitting for rate they're going to come back closer to the saddle horn or if I need to do help my horse I'll bump back and release but that's the key if you're helping your horse you've got to do a bump and a release do not hold do not cross the wither do not twist your wrists do not um, pull on the outside rein, more pressure than the inside rein. <clears throat> Don't drop your hand to flat knuckle until you're in the turn and you want to be sure that you're giving your horse a release. If, if your horse needs, you have a push horse that you have to get up and keep four-wheel drive in the turn, your hand then can go even, uh, you know, in the forward position and lower but you don't want to do that before you get to spot one because it could again cause anticipation. So hands are extremely important and definitely want to practice. So just a little thing of like taking and bending your elbow and bringing your hand back an inch can help you finish a turn or start a turn, all of those things. So just remember the six inch box and just the three main cues of forward, uh, rate, you know, or shape, and you'll be good. But always use give and take. The next question is buddy sour. What happens when you haul a couple horses together and they're buddy sour? Work some circles near each other and gradually as they're paying attention, just work uh, further and further away from each other. Only rest and relax when you're not sitting joined at the hip. Um, don't always sit together. That's not good for them. Um, and then if you have a horse that's being buddy sour, don't look down and kick with your reins back, but actually look up and pick a spot you want to go to, reins forward, leg on, clucking, all your energy going that direction. But again, um, if they're not listening, just circle until you can get them to focus on your cues and then move on. Let's see here. <sighs> the next question before we get into the topic is about um, changing my body cues. Okay. That's a very good question. So she feels like she's just not changing her body enough in competition. So number one, think about being square and forward energy for your go cue. And then as you're approaching the barrel, again, kiss theory, three things. We've got 14 to 17 seconds to get everything perfect and just right fast. So keep it simple. Three things, your go cue, sitting square, energy says forward. Your shoulders might be slightly in front of your hips. Your hands are in the go position. Number two, when you need to sit for your horse for rate, rate and turn are two different things, people. And this is what you have to learn to separate in your slow work when you're mastering your skill set. So when you sit, you sit square and you soften your ribs and you let your shoulders fall into your ribs as they fall into your hips and you sit on your pockets. If you've done all your training correctly with your dry work, your horse will know that when you sit and put your leg on, you want them to transition to a more collected, slower speed, but not stop. If you sit like that with leg off, they may completely stop. That's how you teach them the difference between woe and rate. And then finally, the third thing is your turn cue. And again, that can be done after you've done your sit for rate. You just look where you want them to go. That little bit of look will also help that inside shoulder and inside hip start to turn. And as again, you soften your ribs with your inside hip and shoulder. And when you really want to snap out, you let yourself sit back on that inside hip a lot more. 
and have that weight more on the inside hip and shoulder to help them snap out. And then you can use your outside leg, reins forward to square them back up and hustle out. So learn to ride from the waist down. That, I can't stress that enough. Use your seat, use your legs. You may use inside leg going in to soften a rib cage. You may, by the front cinch, you may use outside leg by the back cinch to keep your line across the pin. You may use two legs for impulsion. You may use outside leg by the front cinch to straighten the shoulders leaving, but use your seat and your legs. Don't be handsy. Remember, 80% should come from your body, 18% from your legs, and 2% from your hands. All right. On to chapter three. What I love about the author, uh, Donna, is she really um, lets you feel her struggles. And, and she ends every chapter with the lesson she learned. And chapter three was about the darkest before the dawn. And I think that's a great thought for anybody in anything, whether it be rodeo or life, um, that this too shall pass, that we have to get through the struggles. And this kind of takes you through her college years and her marriage years and et cetera. And obviously I want you to read the book because, you know, there's a lot more than what I'm going to cover in here because, you know, it's a big book and this was a long chapter. So I'm just going to hit on what, what it meant to me. And I'd love for you to read it and, and take that from everybody's going to interpret things differently, right? You have your own journey and your own interpretation of things. So for me, what I felt great about this book or this chapter um, was about getting out of your comfort zone. You know, she mentions um, if you don't make changes, nothing changes. So I think that's really important to consider. She didn't have a good college life. She didn't even want to ride after college. So rodeo just wasn't that great for and during that time for her. Um, sadly, she left her father's home and marries an abusive man. She goes straight from her dad to a, a, an abusive husband. So that's quite sad. And I, that kind of um, touched me a little bit. My husband was a good husband, a good man. But I went from living with my father to living with my husband. And I never really was alone. And I think that's an important thing that a lot of women don't do because we're not taught to be that strong and that much of an individual. Um, I've had to learn that now in my later years. Um, so, but I think it is important to be an independent woman and, um, and a lot of people don't do it because economy, it's expensive, right? To go from your parents' house to living on your own versus living with a, a roommate or a husband or something. So, um, th I thought that was interesting and she's still having, you know, the concerns with weight and negative imaging and ne negative words and, and all that. And it really affects her. So that, that part's very sad, um, you know, this, this, but then she, the very day, which I thought was shocking was she, the very day she, her divorce is final from her cheating, no good husband. She goes and right to the guy who she had a crush on in high school and wants to date him. No breaks, no nothing. And of course he says yes. And later I'll let you read the book and see what, where it goes from there. And I'm sure you guess it's who it is and all that. But, um, but anyways, I think the biggest thing about this chapter, and then she points out is to, um, not stay in your failures and your what ifs and whys, but always moving forward. And I think that's an important thing because life is a lesson, you know, it really is. And we just have to learn from it and move on. So, and, and try to stay positive and, and take the lessons that life teaches us. So, um, she talks about the hunting story with her, um, new bow or her, uh, not new bow, but her new man, uh, so anyways, and talks about being scope bit and uh, 
and all of that, you know, and that to me, I, I, it brought up to me learning the hard way for me, um, my learning the hard way, my setback, when I first started training horses in Colorado, I took in one horse at a time. And of course I didn't know a lot then. So I kind of, you know, didn't know the difference between the cowboy way or the horsemanship way. And this one particular day stood out to me. I had a young horse in training that didn't really know how to tie yet. And I had a round pin that I was starting them under, or starting them in, and I tied them with an inner tube because I thought, well, you know, it's cowboy way and the inner tube would give. And if they got scared, they could pull back and come back forward and, and then they would settle in better than, you know, breaking a post or a round pin panel or anything else. Um, so I tie them to the, 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 uh, thing the, the the inner tube well eventually after letting this inner tube it worked for a while but after a while the inner tube gets old and dry from the sun and cracks so a horse tied to it spooks sets back the inner tube busts in half so now this horse has this scary black inner tube chasing it on its lead line around the round pin and it freaks out because it's hitting it in the legs so now it proceeds to bust the round pin and now it's got the the fear of the round pen, and then it goes through two pasture fences with other horses now running with it, chasing. And all I could think is, oh my God, I've hurt my client's horse, blah, blah, blah. I've scared him. I freaked him out. What if they're hurt? And finally I get the horse caught. I cut loose everything that I need to get off the horse, settle the horse down, cold hose the horse's legs. And thankfully just little scratches and everything was okay physically, but mentally I probably ruined this horse for life for wanting to tie to anything. So that day I learned no more cowboy stuff. I've got to learn horsemanship. I've got to have principles and theories that I stick by. And that's when I came to uh, John Lyons. And with John Lyons, I set some new rules. And um, I started paying attention to John Lyons and Pat Pirelli and different things like that. And I set new rules that I can't get hurt. They can't get hurt. And we end calmer than we start. No more cowboy ways. Um, I want to quit on a try. I want to meet them where they're at. I want to ask yes, yes. I want to ask questions that I get. I know I'm going to get yes answers to. I want to just end every note with maybe a little 1% improvement. And I want to realize that Rome isn't built in a day, but brick by brick. And also, I want to base my relationship with horses on connection and relationship, not cowboy, because I want to sleep good at night knowing that I've been kind to this horse and that they understand that I'm a teacher. I'm not a trainer. I'm a teacher. I want our relationship based on love and trust and respect and communication of cues. So that was in the early 90s. That's when I decided I couldn't do that. So when a cowboy tells me I can teach a horse to tie put them in a halter that won't break and tie them to an old oak tree and you'll either have a horse that ties or a broke neck. No, I don't do that. Won't do that. We'll never do that again. So um, anyway, so as we go on to the book, she's pregnant and life is hard and she's depressed. And that also got me thinking about my life as well. When I moved to Colorado and got, after I got married, Prior to that, my husband and I spent every day together for two years, and we were never apart. But then when we got to Colorado, his career took him away a lot, and he had to entertain clients more. And even on a Christmas Eve, he went to a football game. And mind you, I'm all alone now, no family, hardly any friends yet. You know, and he goes to a football game with clients on a Christmas Eve. So I felt a lot more alone then. We didn't communicate well how we were feeling 
Um, we actually went to marriage counseling only our second year there, I believe it was. And the counselor, marriage counselor, told us that we had communication issues and this kind of stuff and that kind of stuff. And we still need to work on things. And and um, so we were separated for a few months and we we're trying to work things out. And then the counselor's like, you're still not ready. But we went back together anyways. And I decided I'll just get pregnant and have a baby because, you know, horse training and a baby would fix all those holes in my life of not having my husband there with me as much. So that was my fix. And we still had communication issues. And that was a mistake because it ended up hurting us as years went by. Um, you know, uh, we saw things differently and the tit for tat and instead of working things out and letting things hold a grudge and all of that. So you learn things as you go. And I was really young then. We were in our 20s, um, mid-20s and late 20s. So anyhow, um, on you know, that just reminded me of that. You know, sometimes you draw lines in the ground and you don't even realize it. Um, you know, and, and both of us were good people. There was nothing horrible, no bad things. It was just a relationship, you know, communication and such. So anyways, like, um, she goes on and talks about how going to a doctor when you're sick or hurt and versus also going to a doctor for mental health. And that's the stuff that she was working on as well. And I agree with that. You know, we couldn't fix it. So we went, sought, sought a marriage counselor to try to help us. So, um, but you got to do the work, you know, you both got to do the work and you got to stick with it till it's fixed. So anyhow, uh, um, let's see here, where was I going with this idea? But um, you think of it as far as um, the next thing, you know, she's dealing with all this stuff, how hard motherhood is. She doesn't even tell, you know, her husband and all of that. So um, the book goes on and I want you again to read it and get your own interpretation. Of course, she finds out Domino passed away, her horse that she was her kid horse that she won um, on, her dad tells her. And um, there was a quote in there, which I really liked. And it said, um, don't grieve because it's over, but smile because it happened, Dr. Seuss. And I think of that often with my old horses and my old dogs. You know, you, it's very painful to lose your your animals. Um, it's painful to lose anything. But, in, in, but instead of focusing on that, remembering all the wonderful years, I mean, I'd still rather have it happen, even though it's painful in the end. I wouldn't not have done it because of all the wonderful parts in the beginning and in the middle. So anyways, um, she goes on to talk about running down your dream, even after a seven year break. And um, luckily, her new husband's very supportive and she doesn't have a truck or a trailer or anything, but she goes to a clinic and borrows a horse, you know, so it's, you know, she says, be happy and be where you are, you know, and I think that's important. When I was in Colorado, you know, it's funny how you get these you just want to do better, be better, do more, this, that. It's never enough, right? You always want more. But I remember certain days, and she talks about this in this chapter, that you think life can't get any better. Like when I bought my horse Callie in Colorado, I'm like, life can't get better. And then I bought my, I traded my Jeep for a truck and got a horse trailer. And then I had my truck, my trailer, and my horse, and I was driving out my driveway to go to a barrel race. Life can't get any better, but then you win a barrel race and you place in a barrel race and, it, and you keep having those moments of, wow, this is awesome. But the key, I think with any of this is to be a happy person. You have to have purpose and passion. You have to trust in your heart. 
You have to be authentic to yourself. And she touches on that in this chapter. And I think that's super important that you listen to your heart and be true to your heart. I also love that when she goes to this clinic, they talk about technique before speed. I preach that a lot in my lessons in my group. And you guys know that, um, about taking the proper steps and not getting in a hurry. But I also think it's important that she picked coaches that were positive and encouraging and patient and did focus on um, technique before speed. And I, that's the kind of coach I am. I, I, don't, I, I don't know about you, but I never liked a teacher that was demeaning or yelled at me or didn't explain things well. I love the teacher that encouraged me, explained things well, gave me the gold star, all of that. That's when I learn my best. So that's the kind of teacher I want to be for my uh, people and horses. So it is important, I think, to learn from your mistakes because that's how we grow. Um, she also talks about there not really being a right time that you really just need to go for it. And then you just see what happens. Um, and I think a lot of you in the group sometimes are really hard on yourself. You don't feel like you've trained enough or you haven't practiced enough. But you know what? Just haul. Haul for the exposure, haul for exhibitions, haul and enter, and then take a moment and see where you are with your horse. By all means, uh, TLC's motto is ride with heart. So the horse should come first. Check in and see where your horse is emotionally and physically um, and put the horse first if you need to back off or if it's okay to move forward and base it just day to day. You know, you, you can set up a plan, a goal, but you still have to take it day to day based on where you and your horse are emotionally and, and with your skill, your mindset and your skill. So um, she goes on to talk about her first win at the uh, uh, WPRA calf roping and goats um, with Tiger and, you know, that being a great day. And then it goes on. Um, you know, and ask deeper questions like what your dream is and what your dream tells you to do. Um, there's a quote in there from Steve uh, Jobs about having courage to follow your heart and intuition, that they somehow know what you want to become. And I thought that was really powerful. You're never going to be happy if you don't follow your heart and your intuition. So I really love that personally. Um, the goal to... Um, the goal and the dream, okay, this is important, um, is what I got out of this part of the chapter. And I feel like this is about heaven too, and I said it in my clinic this past weekend. But um, I think having a goal or a dream or even heaven, the, the, the final destination isn't always the most important part. It's actually the road to it, the journey, what you learn along the way from your mistakes or how you learn to love, um, the, impaction, the impact that you have on other lives or inspiration, the um, what you learn as you go, all of that I think is just as important. Um, so, anyways, uh, the chapter goes on and talks about you know how she trains and rodeos and her focus um, is still not quite there as she does the WPRA. Um, her mental game still not there. Her skills stop not still where it should be. Um, but she talks about it never being too late. Uh, to chase a dream or to make a change in your life. And I think that's really important. It took her 20 years to get to the finals at Fort Worth. 
uh, Cowtown, I believe she said. And when she did, she was very unfocused and full of nerves. She focused on the wrong things, like what people thought of her or not, um, not belonging there after she had a bad run or just too many negative thoughts or highs and lows in her emotions. Um, and that's when she decided to seek out more lessons. And she talks about going to Barry and, uh, Blair Burke and, and how to improve. And, you know, and he talks to her about having conviction and confidence and ice water in her veins. But even then she didn't ask, what does that mean? She thought it meant being stoic on the outside, but it actually means working smart, not necessarily hard, but smart on the inside, working on your mental game, focusing on things you can control is what I think it means anyways. Um, and doing your job, being calm and relaxed and fun and and, and focus. And fun is a big part of it because if you're not relaxed and having fun, it's really hard to be calm and focused and positive. And you do have to believe in yourself and your horse and have a game plan. You've done the work, now trust it. So, you know, again, she feels like she missed that lesson point by not asking the question, what does that mean, ice water in my veins? So, um, anyhow, so she goes on in 2001 with a different horse, Iceman. He's young. And um, he starts ducking off because her roping skills are not quite there. She's, you know, her, where she's swinging a rope over the horse's head scares him. He anticipates much like we have in roping, I mean, in barrel racing. So another guy she takes lessons in clinics with, Troy, he lets her borrow a horse frisky and they do well. They win some money. She's happy. And then he gives her a choice. You can either change your roping or change your horse. And she opts for the easy way out. So for me, um, that was kind of a, a moment that I see a lot of people do. They, in my, in barrel racing and clients, they'll sell the horse because it's not working out instead of really working on their self. And she goes on to talk about how, um, she wished she hadn't taken that shortcut, but taken the time to improve herself. So, um, you know, but she also, I think the most oftentimes her chapter is the last lines in her chapters are the ones that stick out with me the most. And I absolutely loved, um, I am thankful for the lesson and I'm, um, you know, not living in the past of, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish, you know, what ifs and whys and all that, but, but she's thankful for the lesson. She's going to take action and move forward and realizing that everybody has their own race to run at their own time. So I'm going to leave there. I know that's a short podcast. It's only been about 35 minutes, but it's filled with a lot of really important things. I want you to think about that and digest that, how it applies to you and your life and how you can make yourself better by maybe applying a few of these things. So anyhow, like I mentioned before, if I haven't seen your video, um, please send it again. We may not have gotten it just because of the outages with Facebook. And then also, um, Take uh, some of these tips that I offered in Q&A and the topic for today, apply them to your training, and remember to have fun, stay focused, and live for today and not in the past. So as always, ride with heart, and God bless you, and, um, and uh, I look forward to hearing about your runs this weekend, and um, please send me any questions you have and your videos. Thank you.